0: And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast, covering everything you're to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we're a little bit biased. Some weeks, sometimes we're proven right. I am your host, Brian and Casey. You can follow me on Twitter at Casey SGE. Follow the show on Twitter. That can be done by following us at HEF pond of course, you can follow us on other uh, platforms that is facebook.com slash pod. All the latest Eintracht news and information in the English language uh, can all be found in one convenient location. Of course, follow us now on our new Instagram page at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. And of course, whenever you want to get in contact with the podcast, uh, contact us at uh, HeyEintrachtFrankfurt at gmail.com. So, this match uh we haven't really actually if you really think about it we haven't had a recap of the Europa League which was great 1-0 finally get that first victory of the season but then came the big match at the weekend Eintracht and Bayern and uh here to join me in terms of talking about everything that that is Eintracht I'm going north to Detroit the Motor City uh Chris how are you feeling
1: I have not slept since Sunday. I am just still I honestly I've watched this match three times now and we did not look good in it but damn does it, it feel nice walking on clouds for the last three four days now
0: it, Isn't it's an unbelievable depri something that just comes with being a parent though to be fair uh,
1: the army trained me well <laughs> for being a parent and working in security because I never sleep.
0: There you go. There you go. Uh, I go south of the red river and a little bit further south down closer towards the Gulf of Mexico for Brian in Houston, Brian. Uh, wow. What a weekend. How are you feeling after this? Uh, really back to back wins in, uh, multiple competitions now.
2: Well, I mean, it feels great, especially since all year, you know, you're kind of waiting for it to happen. Um, You know, so to get one, to pick up a win in Munich is, like, there's not much better than that.
0: Exactly. Uh, Yeah, we'll get right to it, folks. Uh, I'm tracked to Bayern 1. First uh, non-losing result to Bayern since the uh, uh, mid-2000 uh, Naughties, I guess you could have to call them. Uh, <laughs> it has been that long since uh, we were able to do anything but lose to Bayern in their home stadium and got our first victory in Munich since the pre Allianz era. And, uh, yeah, that was in November of 2000. Uh, there are some Eintracht panelists who might be able to say, Wow, I was barely born then. I was, uh, <laughs> it was hard to follow the Eintracht in those days, and yet this result—oh, this couldn't have come at a better time. Right after, on the heels of Eintracht's first victory in all competitions, uh, one-nil victory over uh, Antwerp in uh, Belgium, and a lot of people were saying, "Hey, you know, we really did not look as good as we should. Winning just one-nil, winning on PKs." then who knows? Who knew that that's all the spark that the team would need to get that oomph, that confidence to come right back in. And uh, once again, the Eintracht, when it does come to uh, its own defensive prowess, though, uh, Chris, I know you love Kevin Travis, so I'll kind of let you uh, run, in that, run at it from here. How much of this was a victory of Eintracht's defense, or how much of this was just Kevin Trapp standing on his head.
1: It was both. And uh, I'll start with the defense themselves. Um, We did not give them enough credit. Individuals did. But as a fan base, we did not give them enough credit for holding a one-goal line. While the offense has struggled for the last month, really since the beginning of the year, um, they've held a line and said, we're going to give you that one goal a game and that's all you got. You're not going to get more than that past us. Uh, But Kevin Trapp, on Sunday, I know we talked about it offline. Others mentioned other matches where he stood on his head. He didn't just stand on his head Sunday. He pulled off some saves from some shots and headers from angles that are impossible to stop.
0: Uh, That foot save. Kevin Trapp
1: was amazing. He put up the performance. I mean like you say I'm not a little biased I'm beyond a little biased I'm an entirely biased um that was the greatest goaltending performance I've seen uh objectively forever i it's hard to find somebody who makes uh 10 legitimate goal scoring saves it was truly remarkable but you got to give the defense credit too they were breaking up passes they didn't give Lewandowski more than, you know, two or three chances a game, which usually he finishes them all off. He probably should have had that header in the first half, but trap save on the header in the second was unbelievable. I can't say enough about what he did.
0: Brian, I think you were talking, you were talking, uh, uh, before we went live about your favorite, uh, defender in this, and it's not called, and he is not Kevin Trapp.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Torre Torre was great and it's not it's not a performance that's gonna you know the stats are gonna show with him because he just basically what he just did his job like he was uh was was corralling Sane and and Davies and and throwing them back into the midfield and throwing them back into into Tuta and so and uh and if they tried to lay it off to a guy overlapping, he was fast enough to get back out there and cover him too. Like he did a really, really good job just holding down their flanks and not letting them get around the corner. You know, there was a couple of times he ran Sané all the way into the touchline. You know, and that's not an easy thing to do. So he's he's. It actually didn't surprise me that he started. He started the last three. He started both games against Bayern last year. And uh, and he's just – he's he's so quick and he's so athletic. And, he you know, he stayed locked in for the whole 90 minutes. It was a really good performance.
0: It was pretty and awesome the other to side. see him return after his injury. And the sheer fact that he slotted in so fast and went right toe-to-toe, as you mentioned, against Bayern and thrived. I mean, golly, we've really been missing the guy. I mean, we got used to Durham doing Durham things. But, I mean, whoa what a what a stand what a standout performance yeah I and mean, you have th-
1: to look at Chandler too I mean what Chandler did um just to to you know be disruptive and it's not easy to sit on the bench for the better part of the last three years week after week and then start two matches in a row um he's he was equally good uh if not as
2: flashy equally
1: as important as Torre was. Yeah, back
2: to you, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Chandler was rock solid over on the other side, and I mean, you when you look at Bayern, everybody thinks of of Lewandowski in the middle, but they forget about Serge Gnabry on the outside, and they forget about all the wingers they've got. Komen and Sane and and Davies over on the left side, and I mean, those guys are extremely fast and extremely dangerous. And if you can hold down their flanks, you've got a chance. You know, and, and that's what happened. That's what happened on Sunday.
0: And, yeah, uh, one of the players who was able to get the uh, first goal of the match, uh, Leon Goretzka, the guy right through the middle. But I'd like to go to uh, the first goal scorer for the Eintracht, uh, Martin Hinteregger.
2: <laughs>
0: for whatever reason, this boy, when it comes to playing against Bayern, I mean, the guy just scores goals. Like, I think this is four goals in what, like five, maybe, yeah, five, six matches now for uh, Hinti against Bayern. That's the, and he's a defender. Like, I mean, you'd, to find someone who has scored that much against Bayern, I don't even think, I mean, I think Holland is the person who has scored the most amount of goals. And like you know, uh, in terms of highest rate of goals per match against Bayern, but uh, I'm kind of hard pressed to come up with someone who's got as high of a rate of goal scoring against uh, Bayern Munich right now. Someone, someone give me some sort of direction as to why this is happening. But he just scores goals against Bayern. Story.
2: It's happening. Well, t- it's happening because it's Hinty, and that's just Hinty being Hinty. Like, okay, I am going to get in here and <laughs> knock this goal goal down. Like, that's that's not. There is nothing to it other than that's just the kind of guy that he is. Like, hey, it's Bayern. It's the biggest stage. We need a goal. I am just going to get in here and get my head on it.
1: Yeah, Hinty is going to disappear against Bacom and Firth, but <laughs> he's going to show up against Bayern. That's just kind of what he does. Um, but that corner was exactly what I've been harping on for months and years now. Uh, Stop with the short corners. We don't have the talent and the one-on-one ability to play short corners and create offense off of it, but we do have big guys like Hinty and, and others that can step up and put their head on the ball, and we have one of the best crossers in all of Europe. Put Kostic on the corner, Hinty in the middle, and you see what can happen.
0: I totally agree. Um, Kostic, another player who was a standout performer and was able to get uh, the second goal for the Eintracht during one of their few forays uh, past the Bayern halfway line. I mean, how I will I will go back to Hinti's goal uh, real quick because if you look at the timing of it, you know it was within five minutes of Bayern taking the lead. Now, typically, what happens with Bayern? They usually Pile on a second goal in, in pretty rapid succession. And that usually, just like, unless you are one of the best clubs in the world, in the store, in the world, you usually are just going to kind of roll over for Bayern because they are just that good. They are that clinical. They have been performing that well in all competitions so far this season. Like this is the first time that they have dropped points since match day one, and to me, I thought that this was just uh timing was everything, and they they felt they were not paying attention. We took advantage of that, and I honestly kind of scratched my head and wondered if we had not had such a quick reaction. Would we be talking about a different score line at the end of the day?
2: well. I okay, that's like that's a hard one for me to answer because of how good Kevin Trapp was, you know. So, you know, if you think about Goretzka hit that goal, but like Sane had a really good shot immediately after that, and it that could have easily gone in that Trapp got his hand on. And when Henty hit that one, I don't know that it necessarily turned the tide in the game, but I think it did give us some confidence.
1: Yeah, you know, they had plenty of chances to finish, finish us before we took the lead. They even had chances after we took the lead. Um, we did exactly what we had to do to beat them. It, it, I, I said it in the chat during the match. If we had scored first, we would have lost that match. The fact that they scored first and we answered quickly gave us all the confidence in the world as opposed to scoring first and having them counter and kind of take the wind out of our sails. Uh, us getting that tying goal put the wind in our sails. And even though they're more talented, they tripled up the passes on us. It, the stats go out the window in a match like this. Uh, David beat Goliath and,
0: you know, knocked we him We scored the on our one and only corner. That's the funniest part of it.
1: One hundred percent conversion. You can't do better.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Now, only we could do that. All the other uh,
1: and you like, know you got to consider that the Goretzka goal too was off a pretty lousy play in our defensive end. We got caught pushing guys forward too quick. We turned the ball over, and they took advantage of it. Um, it could have easily been a zero on the score line for them if Goretzka wasn't one on one with Trap and he put the ball on, in on a good shot.
0: Indeed. Uh, all right, so kind of exhausted that topic right there, but let's go to Kostic. You know, his lovely cro- his lovely corner ended up on Hinteregger's head, and uh, I really love how we were able to move quickly up the pitch, you know, late in the match. Bayern is not, when it comes, they have fast guys, but, you know, in the middle of the pitch, Hernandez, Ubaya Kamu, uh the other freaking the former Leipzig uh, defender uh I'll I'll freaking figure out how to pronounce his name later but the sheer fact that we quickly countered against Bayern you know we finally got into their side you know they're just kind of running back They're thinking oh well we'll just kind of see this out because we have Manuel Neuer you know and back to make the same I mean look at the save that he made on Torrey. That was just phenomenal. Save by Manuel Noir. Just an example of what really having that A-level, uh, international level, uh, apparently not for all uh, German coaches, uh, international level keepers on display, you know. And it was, you know, Kostic who found uh, the far post to put the ball in. But, you know, Lambert's being involved. And so, I mean it it was a quick bit of a work from the Eintracht that hit Bayern right back in only a way that, you know, Bayern would not be able to do anything and just would look staring around like, uh, what are we supposed to do now? Sort of uh, action. I think that fact that we were able to go up, and we love playing the counterattacking. We've done it so much on that. and seen it on the Glasner. It was a little bit watching that goal. And time and time again, maybe keep on thinking of the great, great moments. <laughs> the great, great moments that Eintracht has had in recent seasons. And the attack we took to Bayern was the kind of attacking thrust that we've been looking for all season long. And who would have known that you know it would come against one of the best teams in the entire globe at that point in time. And credit Kostic for putting in a wonder goal that really had everyone in the world looking at him uh on that Sunday.
2: Yeah, can I can I also just throw back out there, I think it was the last time I was on the podcast we were all worried about Philip Kostic and how he was gonna do this year and whether his head was in the game and you know you just put him out there. He's going to make plays. That's what he does. And whenever, whenever he got the ball on the wing and wound up to shot, like I, you had a good feeling like this was going to go in. And it, I mean, it happened so fast, but you like, you just knew when Costage got it, like something good was about to happen.
1: Yeah. Something good always happens when he has the ball in that position. And it's funny. Cause we talked about during the last recording, how, He hit the post a lot when he first came to us. He hit that far corner, missed a couple wide, missed a couple off the post itself. Uh, He's perfected that shot. And you know when he gets the ball in that position, you might as well walk back to midfield because it's it's a goal going to be scored. And I think there's something to be said about the way he handled everything. I know we debated it. I don't have to open it up again. But the way he responded to all that chaos and said, you know what? I'm here for you guys. I owe it to you. Let's get to work. And he's done nothing but put us in position to turn our season around in the last couple matches. So I really love the way Kostic uh, is kind of leading by example. He's not going to score a ton of goals for us, but if if we utilize his talent crossing the ball, if we get him the ball in open positions like So did for that goal, we're going to be successful. We're just not going to be successful with the three or four goals a match. We're going to have to learn to be successful with two a game and find a way to win that way.
0: Now, if if only we could be able to start uh, ripping people up like that on a week-in, week-out basis. (laughs) Uh, It's a lovely thought process, boys. Um, That being said, from the kind of... Lineup that we rolled out with, I guess, would what would you call that? Uh, uh, three four three, like a, I think a, a pretty bunkered in three four three. Are we gonna see more three at the back from the team, or is this just hey because of the injury situation that we're currently in? Um, uh, the two y, uh, the two wide players, and Torrey Chandler, uh, you know, covering back. Helping out with Tuta, Ilsan and Hintrager. Are we going to see a back three? Are we going to see a reverting back to the back four once uh, certain players are back match fit?
1: Yeah, I'm going to leave this for Brian. He's a better tactical guy, but I thought Jokic did a good job of covering back in the middle a little bit. He didn't fall back to the back line as much, but he, he did fluctuate more to the defensive side. And so while it, you know, it was a three at the back, it was more of a three and a half, uh, especially when, when the pressure was there in the middle. So Brian, what do you got?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I, I agree with you on Yakic. Like he's been he's been fantastic since we picked him up. Um, I don't I don't think we're gonna necessarily pick one. I think I think Glasner will kind of depending on who he wants to play and how he rotates the squad think sometimes we'll see four in the back and sometimes we'll see three in the back just trying to keep guys fresh and and keep guys rotated you know this this lineup that he pulled out i I don't think we'd seen that all year um at least not like this but it it definitely worked because we were really stable in the back and the 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 way he lined up allowed him to kind of like those wings could just you're you're pushing the wings into two guys, basically. You've got Yakic and Hindi on one side, and you've got So and Tuta on the other side, and we're just going to funnel you into these three guys like good luck. So I think there will yeah. be some teams like this where we see the it's, – it's almost a five in the back the way that he was playing it. <clears throat> but I think against some other teams where we're trying to open up the scoring, he might go four and try to push guys forward.
1: And it's interesting how – Last week and the weeks prior, looking ahead to this match, we thought we're going to get destroyed if we go with three at the back. But it, it the way this Glasner defensive system works, you're not entirely structured on that line that you line up with. You know, we saw it with Yakich coming back. Torrey spent plenty of time back there. Chandler spent more time in the final third than the middle third. It, I mean, as most of them did, but him specifically uh, helping Hinty out on that left side. I really think we, we were so accustomed to the transitional offensive opportunity play in Hooterball. Sorry for saying the name. I know it's not allowed here. Uh, I think we have to get accustomed to Glassner Ball, which is kind of the opposite, where you're going to be fluid defensively and see where it takes you offensively. And that's been a hard thing for me after getting accustomed to the last few years now looking at the game more from a defensive perspective. uh, But it definitely paid off Sunday.
2: Yeah, it kind of almost seemed like a Niko Kovac kind of lineup. You know, like we're going to put a bunch of defenders out there and we're going to just hold them back and, like, good luck breaking through.
1: And eventually it pays off. It did. It's not like we went out pushing and pushing and trying to give up a goal. At no point, even though they had a lot of pressure on us at times, at no point where we left – entirely susceptible uh, defensively. We were well-structured, well-organized. We waited for them to make a mistake, and then we capitalized.
2: Yeah, the, the only time Lewandowski got free the whole game, he was offsides. You know, he had that point-blank one yep. right in front of the, – that trap saved that one too. But, like, really the only time he got free and got a good a really good look, he was offsides.
0: It does put us in a different kind uh, of light. Well, we were headed in to, uh, to go back to, uh, we were looking at uh, playing against Antwerp. You know, we were coming off yet another draw in the Bundesliga, and questions were ha- were had. Questions are still being asked, but I th- it's more of a okay, what are we going to do next? Because I will look ahead a tiny bit. It's Hertha Berlin. And then Buffalo, not uh, not exactly the hardest of teams within the uh, Bundesliga. So, and we'll also have our first match against Olympiakos. So it's not like as though we're going to have a completely easy time of it. But hey,
1: we, could there uh, be a worse time for an international break?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so.
1: No. I mean, I'd prefer to play tomorrow if we could. I mean, (laughs) we just, I mean, I I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because if we go out and lay an egg against Hertha or Bauckham or Firth, three of our next four league games are against bottom five teams. So there's an opportunity to create some space there. But if we go out and lay an egg, this was all for nothing. and having a two-week break before we play, throwing a couple European games in the middle. And, you know, I just I just hope we come out with the same confidence. The guys that aren't on international duty, I really hope they're putting in the work and, you know, starting to see the changes that we needed to see the last couple of weeks.
0: Couldn't say it better. So, uh, that's kind of... Wrapping up, at least for this episode's uh, discussion about Eintracht and Byron. We'll probably have more in our next episode. But, Chris, it's time to get to hashtag what are we drinking? You are the beer man supreme. Uh, What do you got for us?
1: (laughs) Well, um, yes, I like a good theme with my drink. And this week I'm going with Absolution. Uh, I railed on Glasner for the last few weeks. At one point on this podcast, I mentioned I would be willing to lead the Glassner out movement if things didn't change. I am on my knees at the altar of Eintracht. I am drinking Final Absolution, asking forgiveness, drinking my Final Absolution <laughs> from Dragon Mead Brewing in Warren, Michigan. A fantastic Belgian Triple, Belgian Hops, Belgian... Um, ingredients top to bottom, absolutely a fantastic beer, pulling it like 9%. So I'm doing good
2: tonight. There you go. Brian, what do you got? I think I'm about to say something that might have never been uttered on this podcast before. I just have a Bud Light.
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) That would be a first. You got to dress it up though. You got to present
0: it well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, how do you present or dress up a Bud Light? Like it's just a Bud Light. I had some extra ones in the fridge, so I grabbed one. It's the hard there work beer
1: for the hard work club.
2: <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, I'm actually uh, going with a Texas uh, Oktoberfest Madison uh, on this one uh, from the sponsor Brewing Company uh, Shiner's Oktoberfest. You know. Definitely turned out pretty good. I had never had it before. I thought it uh, has, I thought it beats out one or two Missouri-based uh, Oktoberfest-style beers. That's for mm. damn sure. Uh, if anyone follows us and uh, what we're always putting forward in our submissions for our hashtag What Are We Drinking, uh, they will know that there's quite a few duds in the state of Missouri and next to nothing in the state of Kansas. So. I make do with what I got, folks. Make do with what I got. But yeah, uh, Shiner Oktoberfest, not too shabby. Uh, I think so. My other fellow Texans would tell me, "Hey, there are other beers other than something from Shiner." But hey, I've got a I got a soft spot for Shiner. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for segment one of Hey I Frankfurt. We'll be back with segment two, uh, Front and Corner, where we also then. Look at the table before we say adieu uh, or choose to this episode. So stay with. Back second two. Hey, Frankfurt. Chris, you love Brown Corner. Uh, we had been talking about this weekend's match for I would have to say close to a month now. And there's a
1: long pause.
0: A full month. And it didn't exactly turn out how we uh Wanted it for the Frauen. Uh, 2-1 loss to Hoffenheim, the participant uh, in the Champions League. The club who finished in third. Now that the Women's uh, Champions League has been expanded. Uh, a team that is also playing in the Champions League uh, this midweek, as we speak, because they made it through in the qualifying. <sighs> Boy. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, um, that sucked. Well... As excited as I was to come in and and talk about the men's side, the women's side, it just wasn't as good. Um, The problem is Hoffenheim is is better on paper. I think they're better on talent. They're definitely more experienced. Um, But we had an early lead, uh, and I was only able to see the first half, but that was pretty much all of it there. We had play early. We scored an early goal in the 24th minute. Um, I don't recall who scored it, but then it was countered in the next 10 minutes. And from there, it was just kind of trading back and forth. There was not a lot of flow to it. Um, I don't know. It's it kind of frustrating because you saw a team that's that played well through the first few weeks. And, you know, when you're perfect on points through three matches, you kind of get ahead of yourself and thinking where things are going. But Offenheim is a good team and they're probably going to finish ahead of us. We were going to come back down to earth at some point, Um, but we're not in bad shape. You know, we're still, we're still in the top half of the table. We're still young. We're still learning, um, but we got some winnable matches coming up.
0: That we do, that we do. Um, I will say this much that it is a kick in the teeth, but Hey, the ladies have done well so far and they will continue to strive to do better and hopefully Hoffenheim drops one or two points in the meantime. So yeah. we do have an interesting
1: We do have an interesting week coming up, um after a league match this weekend. Yeah. Uh we've got Byron mm-hmm. and back to back matches. So a league match and then a Pokal match uh the following week. So Yeah. There's You know, they're going to be tested. Um, And then after that, we go to Wolfsburg. uh, So it's not going to get any easier for the time being. But after that, things kind of lighten up in the schedule a little bit. But that she's back to back with Bayern followed by Wolfsburg is not going to be an easy task at all.
0: Not easy whatsoever. Um, But hey, shoot, how how else are you going to be able to progress as a club? You gotta play at the top teams and you gotta beat the top teams. So, yeah, like you, like you said, just done that, uh, something the ladies will just have to figure out. And yeah. uh, this weekend's match, I mean, they have a winnable match against Essen, in my opinion. Essen yeah. is a club that the Eintracht should be crushing. Uh, currently, they did give us some uh, trouble
1: last year. Um, That's true. That we, true. Were all, we were also a year younger last year, too, so I think there's something to learn from that. Um, I don't think it'll be too much of a problem. There are important points that we need, though, going into a league match against Bayern, who, I mean, I said it on the men's side, too, they're going to crush us. But I don't think the, the women are in any better position either to, to take points out of it. But as we saw this weekend, absolutely anything can happen.
0: Agreed, and in uh, I would say the uh, for like for matches for next week to watch, you got Hoffenheim versus Wolfsburg at the same exact time. You got Bayern and Hoffenheim this weekend. Like, That'll be huge. The uh, there's the opportunity to for the Frauen, so long as they uh, get a win against against Essen, they'll have the opportunity to move up the table. And perhaps gonna leapfrog over. What uh, can only one can only imagine. Uh, kind of mentioned that I uh, want to have a look see at the bonus table. We mentioned all the players are going off on international duty. That's a shame, but oh, well, you know what? Not really much you can do about that when they all just kind of head off in uh, opposite directions. So uh, results of the weekend. That were of note. Uh, Leverkusen crushed. Bielefeld thoroughly. So with uh, the result of Eintracht defeating Bayern. Uh, that sets up a wonderful match day eight uh, match uh, on the Sunday. Once we return, that is uh, Leverkusen and Bayern. Uh, currently tied on points. The only thing separating them is currently goal difference. With uh, plus four for Bayern. So... Golly, we've really teed up (laughs) match day 8th with a doozy once we return back from international duty. But, uh, you know, Dortmund was able to get it done. No Holland in the lineup, still able to come away with a 2-1 victory. They could easily have crushed Augsburg, uh, who they are really... I'm just scratching my head and wondering, but... You got Hertha, you got Augsburg, Bielefeld, Bochum, futh i I'm kind of wondering how long the likes of Bielefeld and Augsburg, specifically Augsburg and Hertha, I'm wondering how long those guys are going to stay at the bottom because so far, in terms of goals scored, uh, Augsburg has a whopping three goals scored. Even Bochum and Firth have more than that. Alex, we're going to be uh, three goals each. I mean, yikes. You know, we've been complaining about not having the goal scoring work for us. If you can't score goals, like, you got to be able to defend. And I kind of wonder if, you know, Ball club and first get a few results to work for them. And I think uh, they face each other when we return back. Uh Yeah. Once we return back from, from, from um, international break, fifth and Bochum to face off against each other. I mean, if things don't go well, uh, Augsburg and Bielefeld could be seeing themselves in the bottom three, and probably for a while. Especially since the two of them face off against each other in next week's match. I'm kind of wondering. Is there enough in a 5th or a vocal for them to at least get 16th? I'll throw it over to either of you guys if you got anything on that.
1: The only thing I have is that the, the difference between them is that Hertha is allowing a goal a game more than either Bauckham or Firth. Oh, not Firth as much, but Bauckham. So, you know, yeah, they can score a couple more goals, but they're allowing significantly more. And that's the big issue there. They have to shore up the defense if they want to move up the table.
0: Yep. Worst defense of the league. Uh, 20 goals conceded. Next worst is 19, then 16, and 13 for two teams in Stuttgart and Augsburg. But 20 goals. I mean, the only team to have scored that many or more is Bayard and Leverkusen, who are, you know, like as I mentioned both at the top, and I'm really looking forward to that match once we return, because what if we just teed up Leverkusen to, at least for a while there, give us the glimmer of hope of a title race? That'd be nice to have that again, the same. But then again, you'd also have to have Dortmund be beating Mainz, and let's be real, Mainz is not the easiest team to play against uh, with Boss uh at the helm. Uh, there's there's a lot more to going forward, but I'm wanting to know what you guys think about Wolfsburg. Ever since we played them in the Bunisinga, uh, they haven't been able to win a match in any competition so far, and uh three-one loss to uh, uh, the Foles. And we know who's the coach over there. Like those guys have now seemed to have gotten a little bit of footing under themselves. I'm kind of wondering if Wolfsburg just had a hot start. And that you know everything's catching up on them
2: well i I think the difference between Wolfsburg this year and last year is <clears throat> wolfsburg defense. their defense is still really good. they're just not scoring any goals you know um you know vague Horse has had problems getting loose, and i I'm not sure exactly what the what's going on with their attack, but their defense is still p- pretty solid. It's not as good as it was last year. they've given up. Eight goals in seven games, and last year they were the second best team in the Bundesliga, but they just can't they can't find the back of the net, and I think that's their biggest problem right now, yeah, they beat a
1: ten man balcom team one 0 yeah, uh, a man up against them, you should put quite a bit more in, yeah,
0: can totally agree there um yeah, you know, that's what kind of the clubs that I was kind of looking at when it came to the Bundesliga uh races because uh, so far um everything's been uh quite as we predicted. Um I will want to bring up this story that kind of makes me change heart uh and uh makes me some kinda wonder what the hell kind of morons are allowed in at these Europa League at uh UAF, uh conference le uh, matches so, Union Berlin, uh, due to the nature of their stadium, they are not, by UEFA regulations, allowed to play their European matches at the their home homestead, the Alta Fösterreis. So, they've been playing these at Hertha's Ground. Uh, so, yeah, they just let the stadium up in red, throw a couple red banners around it for the TV cameras. You know, that's kind of about it as far as uh, kind of redecorating the stadium. But, so... Uh, we have this great uh, appreciation for everything that they do when it comes to playing. Uh, just the way that the way the club is all set up, just kind of what they have kind of been for everyone. And go figure, guys. Now this, this is something I didn't hear until listening to another uh, Bundesliga podcast. Kind of covered it, and I did a little digging myself because hey, you know what? I'm not going to listen to just one. Uh, person uh, talking about this, but it was kind of gross to hear that apparently uh, the Union uh, fans were welcoming a certain uh, Israeli club uh, to their ground and happened to throw out some rather anti-Semitic chants in a stadium that everyone knows, the Olympia Stadion that was built by the Nazis for a huge propaganda event I thought that was extremely distasteful. Uh, Yeah. Just kind of wanted to uh, shed some light on that unsavory event as they came away. Three nil victors. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's no excuse for that sort of behavior. And I really hope that the club quiet, like if they need to do it quietly, then they do it whether it's quiet or uh, not, I'll just they say, need to squish these people.
1: Yeah. I'll just say that, you know, football is a game for everybody and our, our club has been very vocal about there's no group that should be excluded or feel put down by the fans or by other players or anybody. And it, it really hurts when you see this kind of thing because this is the world's game and you want to see it truly be for everybody. Um, it's important that not just the teams themselves, but the federations step up and say, hey, we got to do something about this because it, it kind of makes the game hard to watch. You know, you've seen the, the stoppage of play, whether it's in an individual match or, you know, when they come to the center and they, you know, tell the fans to shut the hell up, that kind of thing. It, it's hard to get back into that spirit of the game and you know i get it it's an intense game but it's a game it's not life and you know life is far more important than the soccer match and if we can't be civil to each other on the pitch we're not going to have a match that's just how it needs to be
2: yeah i'll even i'll, I'll even take it i agree with absolutely with everything that <clears throat> that you just said but to kind of compound on that, too, like from outsiders here in the United States, like Union Berlin is this great, you know, success story of this tiny little club whose fans built their own stadium. And they're they're like this really good story yep. that we all appreciate, you know, just be better like you you should be better than that. Like that's not something that a club like Union Berlin should be participating in at all. And they got should a...
1: be the model for all the other clubs that say, we want to be something of the people and bigger and better. And, you know, they achieved something almost impossible when the modern way that football builds through corporations and billionaires, they did it in such a very structured way. That was very beautiful. And this kind
2: of taints that. Yeah. Just be, be good humans. That's all we need. Right.
1: We don't deserve the game of soccer if we don't respect the people that play it.
0: 100%. 100%. Well, I just wanted, I know some folks are probably yelling at however they're listening to this podcast and say, Brian, this was not necessary to bring this in. But I think that it, because we are a club that says that all are welcome, that this kind of needs to be brought to light, that even want a club that we hold to such high standards has its own issues. And I really hope that uh, their fans internally are able to squish out that. Because if the folks around them will go turn around to those people shouting these horrible things and then tell them, hey, you cut that shit out or get the fuck out. That's the kind of actions from people internally that will be able to end these sorts of things in stadiums, so that we can look at the game and say, "Yes, this is wonderful. It's beautiful, and it's ours." So, just wanted to uh, bring some of these Bundesliga-related uh, uh, stories uh, to light. So that's actually it for all we have for Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. I like to think. Uh, Chris and Brian, both for joining me, uh, guys, I don't think that we're going to be, uh, forgetting about this match day for quite some time. So, uh, Brian, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? You can find me on Twitter at,
2: uh, at Brian Gilchrist, or you can, uh, check out my blog,
0: which is on the wings of dot com. Chris, where can we find you outside of, uh, uh beer halls in Detroit. and yeah, the rest of the state of Michigan.
1: <laughs> and throughout the Midwest, yes. Um I am on Define Twitter. Midwest. Not Kansas or Western Missouri, that's for sure. That's we might just have to do a podcast on that specific issue and a whole six people will listen. Uh, <laughs> but I am on Twitter and Discord at C and the D313.
0: And you can find me uh, at KCSGE. Follow the show, more importantly, on our various platforms. That's facebook.com slash uh, he hey Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt on Instagram. At he on Twitter. And, of course, you can always drop us an email. That is hey, track Frankfurt at gmail.com. So, thanks for listening to this episode 189 of Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt. We will be back. With 100 and, uh, episode 190 in not too not too long a time, as we will be looking at the Eintracht action uh, coming out of the international break. And Frauen uh, hopefully getting a win uh, at the weekend against Essen. And, of course, uh, the Eintracht preview versus Hertha Bay S.A. So, it's gonna be a good one, and of course, we're gonna talk about all the news and information that cu- that is surrounding the Eintracht uh, in the intervening time. So, until next time, choose. I just have a Bud
1: Light. It, it really hurts when you see this kind of thing.
0: Hey, you cut that shit out, or get the fuck out. Hey,